With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Niners Notebook. This is Mike Luceth, Assistant Sports Editor of San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, editor of our NFL coverage, and joining me via phone from the nerve center of Ninerville or his house is 49er beat writer Eric Branch. How you doing, Eric? Uh, I've used it fine before, but I'm doing better than the 49ers. There you go. Yeah, so you're telling me you're better than one and four. I, I am. Well, not much, but you're at I'm least two, two and three. three. Yes, <laughs> at least two and three. Uh, I, I, I want to, uh, you know, it, it's often uncomfortable to talk about embarrassing things, but uh, we're, we're going to talk about something embarrassing here. Uh, and it's not the one in four start, but the the NFL's decision this week to um, flex the 49ers out of their October 21st, uh, I believe, it was the Football Night in America uh, primetime slot, and moving them instead to a normal afternoon kickoff. Uh, ratings of the corner of the realm around here, and I'm guessing that the uh, honchos at headquarters just couldn't imagine a large number of folks tuning in to see the 49ers play the Rams. Um, how did the team? find out about this what was their reaction to losing that uh, that primetime spot well i can't i can't speak to that just because they've been off as far as media availability uh since that that was announced but it, it was surprising in that uh, the rams are a very attractive team you know just as far as uh, very entertaining they have the top ranked offense they're un- unbeaten um but uh, i guess the 49ers were were viewed as you know unappealing enough to say hey Let's get, let, let's find a, a better option here. Um, of course, it does have something to do with the game they went to. Patrick Mahomes is now the next big thing at quarterback. Uh, the Chiefs are five and zero. They're going to be playing the Bengals, who are uh, somewhat surprising four and one. So that has something to do with it. But it is a bummer for the Forty Niners. Uh, they'll be wearing their you know throwback nineteen ninety four unis um, for the Rams game, and they'll also be unveiling the uh, Dwight Clark and some Montana statues outside the stadium. So, um, you know, it, it was kind of a, a, a game befitting, uh, you know, even with the Niners' record this year. I mean, there were going to be things around it kind of befitting a, a primetime game. Um, so uh, I would imagine, you know, players generally like to play before a national audience. I, I would imagine they are bummed a little is, bit. Is this, uh, and this might call for some uh, unfair speculation on your part, if Jimmy Garoppolo was still playing and it was one in four Niners and Jimmy Garoppolo, could that have kept them in that spot? Or was it the fact that the one in the four and no Garoppolo plus Patrick Mahomes having the kind of start that, that uh, triggered the NFL's decision? Well, I, I would think Garoppolo just, just on his face alone would keep them in prime time. Uh, you know, who cares if they were even 0-5 uh, just to get his mug out there. Um but, yeah, I, I really do think there is something to it. I, I think if Garoppolo was there, there's still a sense of hope surrounding the 49ers. Of course, there was an ESPN report uh, now over a week ago saying that, quote-unquote, some within the league 
wanted the 49ers to get a, you know, trade for a higher profile uh, named quarterback, most notably Nick Foles, the uh, reigning Super Bowl MVP, just because they did have five primetime games coming up and uh, obviously a, a fear around the league that C.J. Beathard wouldn't really move the needle. Uh, so the 49ers didn't do their part. They didn't trade for Nick Foles. Uh, so the league has done what it can by getting them out of one primetime game. And I wouldn't be surprised if they flexed the Niners out of a Sunday, another Sunday night game, December 2nd at Seattle. I mean, that game has uh, you know some cachet in that that'll be Richard Sherman's um, you know return to Seattle. But that might be the only thing, um, you know, going for that game by the time we reach December with the Seahawks uh, not exactly looking like the Seahawks of old. So clearly the pull of the NFL fan in Iowa is not enough to sway the NFL. Yeah, right. I mean, George Kittle, yeah. uh, you know, and Greg Maven, uh, a quarterback from Iowa. There's a, a strong Iowa connection, but uh, I, perhaps uh, Des Moines, uh, doesn't really influence the Nielsen rating. They're, they're going to have to reschedule all their watch parties. Uh, so, so, uh, so there's no national audience to play for, and realistically speaking, uh, no likelihood. It would be very surprising if this thing turned around uh, and there became a playoff run. So, so what's left? Um, how does Kyle Shanahan keep the team moving forward through, I say, the final eleven games or the? 11 more games. How does he keep them uh, focused? Well, yeah, that was a, a subject of a story I wrote this week. And, um, you know, something Shanahan, um, I actually posed a question to him. You know, just that idea, um, you know, there's a sense of this already being a lost season in early October. So, you know, how do you keep everyone locked in and still uh, rally the troops? Um, and he acknowledged, you know, Shanahan's, uh, you know, certainly for an NFL head coach, you know, fairly forthright. He acknowledged it, it is different from last year when, you know, by all accounts, the 49ers kind of stuck it out and stayed together through their 0-9 start. Um, in that, you know, there were greater expectations attached to this season. So there's a, you know, a, you know, a growing sense of frustration that, you know, hey, you know, we thought we were turning the corner and we're stuck in the same, in the same spot. Um, so, you know, I don't know. There's no real magic formula. I mean, Shanahan's thing is let's look at what we did wrong and try to improve. Um, and, you know, as far as for fans, I think it's it's more difficult in that, you know, a lot of times in, in a lost season, like say, say, for example, what the Cardinals are going through, they're going nowhere um, for sure, the, the, the terrible team. And, and, but, you know, fans can point each week to, hey, how is Josh Rosen doing? Uh, because it, if it turns out they drafted a franchise quarterback in Josh Rosen, that gives everyone hope. And that's enough to kind of sustain at least a fan base through a season like this. Whereas the 49ers, uh, you know, just from at least from a fan perspective, C.J. Beathard is not the answer at quarterback. He could be an okay backup quarterback. Uh, but that's not enough intrigue to really sustain, <laughs> sustain right. fans' attention. Will he be a good backup quarterback? Uh, you know, yeah. and well, there's, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I would go ahead. I go ahead and finish your thought. I had another question that kind of leads off of that, but go ahead and finish your thought. Yeah. I, I just think there's just a lot of elements that just lead this to a lot of people looking at this team and saying, well, thank goodness the warrior season's about to begin and we'll check in with the 49ers, uh, before the 2019, 19 draft. So you kind of, kind of related to that. And you know, what do we have to look forward to? I mean, 
beginning of the year, there's all the hype uh, before the season even starts. Uh, you know already you're not going to have Reuben Foster for two games. He was suspended. The Saturday before the season starts, you lose your presumed number one running back in Jarek McKinnon to a torn ACL. Garoppolo goes down on week three, so you're, you're okay, what do we got now? Hey, we've got one of the best rushers in the NFL and Matt Breida. He's rushed for almost 370 yards, averaging better than seven yards a carry. And then he goes down. Uh, what's his status for this week for Monday night's game in Green Bay? Is it a long-term thing? If it was a must-win game, which certainly it's not, might he play, or, or how's he shaping up for this week? Well, Shanahan's already termed him doubtful to play, and generally when a coach comes out that early and, and says a guy is doubtful, that means he's not playing. Uh, so I, I would think your starting running back is going to be Alfred Morris, who was working out in Crossroads, Texas in mid-August before he was signed by the 49ers. <laughs> now, it's not, it's not like he's a nobody. Obviously, he's established in the league. But uh, the point being, uh, the 49ers did not expect <laughs> Alfred Morris to be starting on October 15th uh, when they were outlining things in the off season, So it's going to be Alfred Morris um, and Raheem Mostert, um, who fumbled you know, on his first carry Sunday that, against uh, the Cardinals. That's an auspicious start for Mr. Mostert, yeah. Yeah, a fantastic special teams player, uh, but, you know, has certainly not proven himself as an NFL running back. And then, you know, they might, um, you know, promote a practice squad running back. So that's kind of where they are with that. Uh, my sense on Brita is they want to, you know, he's been dealing. He had a knee uh, that he suffered against the Chiefs. Then he had a shoulder injury against the Chargers. Uh, then he gets the ankle. Uh, my sense is, um, you know, this is a long-term thing. Um, and even if this was kind of a, a must-win game, they might just sit him just because he's banged up. He's 190 pounds. And, you know, try to get him right for the rest of the season. Yeah, now looking at the rest of the season and, and or, or looking back, let's go back a week. The, the theme that I picked up on, I think you and I might even talked about, was that, yes, Garoppolo's down, but if there is a game and a team to win or a team to beat, it's going to be Arizona. They were coming in 0-4. Rosen was making his first road start uh, at quarterback. This is the game that, you know, if they're going to get another one, that would be it. And then flop, bang, boom, they lose 28-18. Um, looking at the schedule, beginning this week at Green Bay, then you get the Rams and you get Arizona again. Maybe that's one. Then the Raiders, perhaps a coin flip there, who knows. The Giants and then a bye at Tampa, at Seattle, Denver, Seattle, Chicago, and the Rams again. Is is there a win in there? Where, where do you see a win in there? Or are we realistically possibly looking at 1-15? in 15? Well, I, whoa, I, you, you were really affected by that loss to the Cardinals. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and probably rightfully so. Um, but, yeah, I, I think to, to kind of the, the point or, or what you, the point you're raising here is that there was a sense that 1-3, in three, Obviously, that wasn't good, but the three losses were on the road to playoff-caliber teams in the Vikings, the Chiefs, and the Chargers. So even with that Garoppolo, there was kind of this idea, well, who knows? You know, it, you never know. You know, look what Kurt Warner did replacing Trent Green. Uh, look what Tom Brady did replacing Drew Butts. So there's all these stories. So there was a sense of, well, if not optimism, uh, maybe uh, faint hope. 
And then when you lose at home by 10 points in the, in the fashion which they did to a, the NFL's only winless team, it becomes where, you know, who can they, if they can't be the Cardinals, then who can they be? I don't think they're that bad uh, at 1-15, um, but I don't think they're good enough to go on the road and beat Green Bay. Uh, they're not going to beat the Rams at home. Um, and so that's 1-6. But, you know, that's the thing. The schedule does lighten up. Um, so I, I think they're, you know, as presently constituted, uh, good enough to beat, you know, say the Giants at home or the Cardinals on the road. Um, you know, th- those are games that so they you're, certainly you're dan- can't. dancing around the Raiders. <laughs> the, Raiders, the Raiders at home. Yeah. But but after you lose to the Cardinals at home, you know, it speaks to what you're saying. There's no games you're guaranteed to win. Right. Um, the, the, and, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, last year, uh, one of the things that, that came out uh, much to everybody's I, surprise is the wrong word, but, you know, it was an eye-opening thing, how Shanahan did not – in the midst of that, you know, at 0-9, 1-10 start, he did not lose the locker room. Uh, the guy still believed in what he was doing, what he was saying, what he was selling, depending on whatever one you want to put in there. Um, I'm assuming he's going to get that same kind of test this year. And so far, I, I'm, I'm hearing when I'm reading your stories, you know, that there is frustration, but it's not there, – there is no inner dissension yet. It, it's, you know, we can do better, but it's no one in particular's fault. Is, is, that, uh, is that about right? Yeah, I think when, when Shanahan was first hired, everyone was, you know, was curious about his emotional intelligence. It seems to be a, a kind of a catchphrase for NFL coaches, um, you know, that he could act as an O, but, but you know, could he connect? And he's um, he's been very good in that sense, at least when it comes to these, uh, you know, very bleak situations. You know, right after the uh, the 49ers lost to the Cardinals, you know, went to one and four, his message in the locker room was, he addressed the, the sense of, hey, the season's over uh, feeling that a lot of people had immediately. Uh, and he said, we've got 11 games left. You cannot pack it in. So I, I think a lot of coaches maybe don't address that. It's just the same routine, uh, the right. same message week after week, kind of regardless. Um, but he's not a robot in that sense. And he acknowledges whatever it is, the elephant in the room, like, hey, guys, I, I know this doesn't look good. But you can't, uh, you know, let up. We still have to, you know, keep at this. So, you know, I, I think that's something. Um, you know, the fact that he's aware enough of the team dynamics, or just the dynamics and the you know, emotions that go into a, a loss like that Sunday, and what it could mean um, for for team morale to at least address it immediately. Is, now, whether I'm sorry, is, yeah. Is there is there someone that, that you, as somebody who's around the team? every single day um is there someone that you're looking at as the the canary in the coal mine the leading indicator as if if this guy turns then we've got trouble i mean is it staley as as the the longtime veteran guy as long as he has joe staley on his side then shanahan's fine is there somebody that you're looking at and going up oh, if if that guy gets the attitude uh then then we have trouble in the locker room yeah, I'd be most interested to, to see about Richard Sherman just because okay. he's known as a um, you know volatile personality and usually volatile just during a game, right. uh, you know, very uh, emotional. But he's actually fairly even keel. Um, 
and level-headed, uh, you know, in the locker room, outside of a, you know, game situation. And, um, you know, so far he, he has been a big supporter of Robert Sala, who's getting a lot of heat uh, early in the season. Um, and so, but, you know, he is so competitive and so accustomed to a certain level of success, you know, largely throughout his career with the Seahawks, that it'll be interesting to see how he responds if it does turn into you know, some sort of 2-14, uh, 1-15 nightmare. I think your point about Staley is good. He, he's an emotional, you know, fairly moody guy. It, it's not hard to read how the season's going by just watching him. And this has got to be really tough on him. Um, you know, he's 34. Um, he's dealing with another uh, uh, knee issue, the same right knee that's kind of given him problems uh, for the last several seasons. But he was so upbeat. Uh, you know, he, he was kind of like, what's the state of the 49ers? Well, in the offseason, Joe Staley was upbeat, and there was a reason for it. You know, he knew about Garoppolo. He knew this thing may be turning around. Um, so he was um, as morose and disconsolate as any player in the locker room Sunday. Um, and, and so I don't, you know, I certainly don't see Joe Staley turning and becoming a locker room problem. Um, but, you know, it is his job, uh, you know, as the longest tenured player to kind of do something to, to keep the locker room together. I would imagine, you know, that that's what he'll do. Uh, but, you know, um, I think that is just part of his personality. Is He is certainly not the most even-keeled guy on that team. Okay. Let me uh, enough of the, the the doom and gloom here. I want to I want to close on a uh, on a high note. I think here. I've in my travels, I've had the uh, the pleasure of going to Seattle and Denver, Chicago, um, New Orleans, but I've never been to Green Bay. Never attended a game in Green Bay. Can you tell me? I know you've gone there a couple of times regular season and a playoff game or two. Uh, what's the atmosphere like at Lambeau Field? Is it as uh, down-to-earth, wholesome America as it appears on TV? Or? Well, I don't know. Wholesome is probably not the word. I think there is <laughs> a fair amount of alcohol <laughs> consumed <laughs> before games. Yeah, and it gets so. cold in the winter there, man. you got to <laughs> yeah. stay warm somehow. <laughs> I mean, there are not a lot of NFL stadiums I want to take my daughters to, and, and Lambeau doesn't make the list, despite okay. how cool it is, um, just because <laughs> I, I get it. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a hard-drinking uh, crowd. Uh, but, you know, that said, it is fairly, fairly tame. I don't, I don't, I've never seen any sort of violence there. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of cliche, how, oh, the romanticism of Lambeau Field. But there really is something to it. You know, the city of Green Bay is really the only non-metropolis, uh, you know, city uh, that has an NFL team. And what I was struck by the first time I, I went there, I guess it was 2010, was it is just kind of in this neighborhood that's from 1957. Um, you know, these track, these track homes that are all right around the stadium uh, for whatever reason. Uh, I don't know what the laws are there, but they, they've yet to be bulldozed uh, in the name of, uh, you know, some, you know, Packers team store or, or whatever it is. Or a lovely parking um, lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um you know, it's really cool. It's just it's unlike any other venue in the NFL. Um, you know, as a as a cranky beat writer, uh, I must say it's not the easiest place to get to. Uh, I don't think the Chronicle would ever want to find me directly um, or, or you know get me to fly 
actually to Green Bay. So usually you're flying into Chicago <laughs> or Milwaukee, or if you're really lucky, Appleton, Wisconsin, which right. is fairly close. Um, so it is a bit of a trek, uh, you know, as far as traveling. It's not the easiest uh, place to get to. Uh, but once you uh, have settled in or watching the game, it's, I've always found from my experience it's, it's well worth it. Very good. Well, I want to wish you uh, safe travels, and uh, I'm sure folks will look forward to your, your coverage of Monday night's game. Reminder that uh, the flexed game was not this week. The Niners are on Monday night football this week. Uh, so this show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. I'd like to thank Eric again for his time, to Fernando Diaz for producing, and, of course, to all of you for listening. For more 49ers coverage, you can follow Eric on Twitter, Eric underscore Branch, and me, at Mike Lurseth. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com. And if you have some time and feel like it, give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Until we talk again, take care. Goodbye. Goodbye.